welcome back to a tale of two rivals plus one. I'm your host, Todd, at FF underscore Banterman Foster, joined by... At FF underscore Spaceman, Dave Wright. Excite I'm always excited to be with you guys, and I mean, it's tough to get excited for these quarterbacks and tight ends, but here we go. We got... FF underscore Walrus, Sean Kennedy here. Yeah, not particularly excited about the tight end or quarterback situation here, but fire a couple shots across your bows. I'm going to be gesturing wildly in my kitchen here. It's going to be fantastic. I'm personally excited to talk about tight ends a little bit. I think QBs have been talked to death for the guys that are talked about. But before we get into anything, I got some beef. You know, I got some real beef going on here. So I was called a savage today by the walrus because i called him because i made a phone call he called me a savage the quote was calling someone is pretty savage but not leaving a vi voicemail is that the breaking point really i was offended sean like is there such a problem with calling people anymore first of all what are you a hundred you can't see the screen. You can't type anything out. Are your thumbs too fat to effectively hit the buttons? The screens are getting bigger, Todd. If anything, the advancements in technology are on your side. This isn't 2006 anymore when it's a race to see who has the smallest phone. Just text. Just He's text. really showing his age here. Really showing his age. There's really nothing about it with the technology piece. It's just that I have this unbelievable gift of banter and communication that I like to keep sharp. I'm sorry that you rather just work your life through a screen and why didn't I leave you a voicemail? I know you screened my call. I know that was an intentional you didn't pick up on me. So you don't deserve a voicemail. How about that? How about that? What I no. My beef with this is, is that you had something that you felt was important enough to call about and then decided after 20 seconds of the phone ringing, no, nah, this isn't worth it anymore. I'm supposed to waste my time with that? You're supposed to call me back, man. I want to talk about the show. Why would I call I you back? To... You immediately followed up with a text. Well, you got yeah, right I, to the point anyway. Yeah, it was a gift telling you I would not be ignored, and it needed it needed to be said. I know I was ignored, and I will not be ignored, and if I want to talk about the show, pick up the phone! But then you texted it to me anyway, so didn't I, through behavior reinforcement and modification, end up getting my way anyway? No! Well, it seems like it did, because <laughs> we're sitting here with me knowing all the information you called me about and I screened you out for, and you being mad that it happened. Oh, I'll just remember this for the future, my friend. I will That's remember fine. that. Oh, reinforcing your behavior. You don't know who you're messing with here. Todd, you're sounding crystal clear. Do you have a new microphone, my friend? Oh, I got a new microphone. I got a toner. The 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 TC777, baby. I, uh, I got... My birthday was last month. My parents hooked me up with an Amazon gift card, and I found last year's gift card the same day. So, uh, Daddy had a little extra money to go get himself a little treat. So, um, yeah, I mean, I could afford a new microphone, but it's nice to, uh, you know, when you have a kid, you start not spending things on yourself so much. So it was nice to get a little treat for myself. And uh, the other microphone had a terrible fate with the stand last week. It's uh, the last two episodes. The stand has been a beer stein. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty stoked about my new mic, man. I, uh, I feel legit. You guys ready to get into this? Enough of the banter. Enough of the banter. Let's go. All right. So. Like Sean had mentioned that he's so excited to build up the show for is that we're going to talk about quarterbacks and tight ends. So, yep, we talked about wide receivers. We talked about running backs. So with that said, like those are obviously the premier positions. 
So tight ends have some super value. QBs, this is probably, if you're in a super flex league, this is something you might actually want to pay attention to a little bit. So I think the first question we should just put out there is, obviously the top two quarterbacks are Burrow and Tua. Out of the three of us, who's taking Tua and who's taking Burrow in super flex? Sean, let's start with you. In a vacuum, I want Burrow more. Dave? I mean, I have to... Unfortunately, I'm saying I'm taking Burrow, but if I need to... You know, I haven't ranked over him, but if I, it comes down to it, I'd, I'd let... Uh, if I needed a quarterback in the top of the draft, I'd rather trade out of the 101 or 102 and push back a little bit because two is falling later in a lot of drafts. So I think I'd rather just take the slight discount with Tua, even though I, I really like Tua. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I love Tua. Tua was my one-on-one before the injuries, but, I mean, Burrow was just, he's still going there for me. He was lights out last year, historic season. There's, I can't find anything I don't like about him on film. Obviously, the numbers speak for itself. And the number three, there's no injury situ- situations there. I bet you he looks great in shorts, too, when he practices, you know? Um, I've only seen Tua in shorts recently, and Dave was loving that uh, his uh, work in gym shorts lately. But, um, I mean, I love Tua. I think he has a higher ceiling than Burrow. That's that's what I would admit. But um, I actually think that trading past 102 is a bit risky for Tua because I could definitely see him falling down to even like 105, 106. But it's very easy to see him going 102 too, you know? You got to so, know your league. You got to know your league. Oh, exactly. I mean, between those two guys, I mean, I think Burrow is still the 101. Uh, I would take two a 102 in the Superflex League. I would still take him over Taylor. That's how high I am on Tua. I like, I think these are both two fantastic quarterback uh, prospects. Um, I actually really like the landing spot for both of them. I actually think Miami has some interesting pieces in development. I think that they're going to continue to add to that team. Um, Cincinnati, I mean, he's got two really good uh, wide receivers on that team, and he's got a really good running back. It's an improving line. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of like what's going on there, but those are clearly the first two guys. So, Todd, uh, you're taking him at the 1-2 if you have it? If I had two of Yeah, I would. Dave, you doing the same? Uh, no, I'm taking Burrow at 103 and two at 104. Uh and, and just a little bit more about, I've heard a lot of discussion on this topic recently in Superflex. Should you be taking the QBs first or should you let be taking the top couple running backs first? And I think it, it ultimately comes down to your team. Yep. Uh, and that's how I, I'll approach it. I think that's a little bit of a cop-out. But I think these running backs are that good that they're worth taking over the over these quarterbacks. Unless you're, you you know, the whole reason why you have those 101 or 102 is because you, you got there just because you needed a quarterback. That being said... A little bit too much between Burrow and Tua. I've also heard a lot of chatter about how, you know, Tua has some has a little bit of rushing upside, like functional rushing upside. I think two years ago he had five rushing touchdowns, and he's a situational can and can run the ball. I think that's okay, but you know, it should not be overlooked how Burrow had over 300 rushing yards the last two seasons, and he has over five TD rushing TD, TDs in both of those seasons. So people forget too. Part of Burrow's allure is that he does have a little bit of rushing to go along with him. Absolutely. Um, I mean, to go back to your argument about the running backs, I can respect that take. You know, like if anybody ever said to me, I'll take these running backs over these QBs, I'm not going to get all fire and brimstones about it and start like flipping out at people about like that that's the wrong move. Absolutely fine. You know, 
uh, especially with running backs being a premium to be able to get in them when they're rookies. But it's I kind of feel the same way from your point of running backs, but as them as quarterbacks. I feel like these are two fantastic quarterback prospects that I think that they're too good not to take. You know, like I, like I said, I think Tua before the injury could have been the best quarterback prospect I've seen in forever. And then Burrow came out of absolutely nowhere. Burrow, if you were mocking him last year, he wasn't even picked in the first four rounds. You know, like in a super flex like mock, like super early, he wouldn't even been on the board. That's crazy, you know. And now he's like the top pick in the draft. So, I mean, I would personally go with them at QB. So, Sean, what about you? Like, what would you be looking at at 101, 102? I think I think I'd go with the QB um, just for the longevity of it. You know, obviously yep. Taylor is impossibly difficult to look off that high just because of what he's done. His landing spot is so unbelievably juicy. And, you know, CEH didn't do too bad himself in the draft there. But I think, you know, everyone talks about the three to five year cliff with running backs. And if you're a team who's looking to build, you're in it for the long haul. I think Burrow and two are the way to go. Yeah. And I, I'm actually glad you brought up the word longevity. That's actually another major reason why I tend to go towards QBs more, too. I mean, with, with running backs, I also feel like the longevity piece in there, but I feel like they're easy to, to rotate and find, like, you know, fillers. It's hard to find a filler at QB, you know, only 32 play, you know? So it's it's easier to find value, especially if you're in a PPR league, just to find the guy who has the passing downs, especially if you're playing with deeper rosters. So from a long like from a longevity standpoint, that's why I typically like to go with QBs. You know, that's why I was particularly happy to get Lamar Jackson in our one of our rookie drafts at 112. That was pretty exciting. So um, I, I will probably that bring coming, that up. Sean, huh? You oh, knew that yeah. was coming. Shameless plug number one of the night. <laughs> hey man, it was the, it was Vegas it was set the over under at seven for this. Hey, I'm just trying to say, man. I mean, okay, so that, that was one. Um, yeah, so. I'm just trying to say, like, you guys could have picked him, and it's not my fault I took him in the last pick of the first round. You know? That's Good two. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this data is going to – we're really getting some good data here, Sean. <laughs> All, right. All right, moving on. So, um, number three QB off the board w- would be Justin Herbert. Uh, his ADP is around 10, taken with the sixth pick by the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, I'm pretty sure that we're all in agreement that he was pretty uh, – underwhelming when it comes to his numbers and his um and his film like he was a good like he was a very productive quarterback in Oregon he never really like blew the doors off of like his performance his bowl game performance was just three rushing touchdowns and mediocre passing numbers so that's something that sticks out in my mind uh Dave what are your thoughts on Herbert especially in Superflex yeah I think I'm on the same page essentially uh he's a little uninspiring and you know, I I understand quarterback Todd. You preach this all the time. These quarterback values are important as these as you get later in the first round. If you can get a starting QB, then it's worth the pick, and you've done that several times. It's paid off for you. And uh, that being said, you know he's uninspiring, and I've heard some criticism as far as his makeup is concerned from some people, and like his leadership ability. I don't like to hear those things from scouts. He does, you notice that he had how many rushing touchdowns in the the bowl game? He does have a little bit of a rushing flexibility at times, so that can be good. And you're getting at least three to four years starting out of him, most likely, especially with that offensive line in that situation. So I understand taking him, I'm taking him here at 110, just because, and I'm probably too low in a super flex league. However, I just like the position players that much in this draft. And it's it's not, that's just how it comes down to it for me. 
Sean, what's your take on him? Yeah, boring way to slide in because I feel like I'm not bringing any controversy off of those two. Um, but same thing. You know, he he's not very inspiring. It seems like especially going into last year, his senior season, the hype was pretty big. It had been building for a while. Feels like we've been hearing his name for a long time. And then he just kind of didn't do a lot. And really almost like nothing noteworthy. He wasn't bad enough for people to say what the hell happened to this kid. He wasn't really good enough for everybody to look around and be like, yeah, yeah, he's here. He arrived. This is the guy we thought he was going to be. But I think, like Dave said, you know, that three to four year window is worth that pick at 10, even if you reach a little bit. If you're sitting there at seven and your team's pretty good and it could use that padding, that's not bad either. Um, and that's an offense that two years ago was pretty hot. You know, three years ago was even better. They still have a lot of the same role players there or places where they've upgraded. You know, their running back position definitely isn't any worse without Melvin Gordon around. And I just think he'll, he'll be good enough to plug in and play. I would say that he's a guy that the draft capital is there. We've already talked about the opportunity. Um, I think the nice thing about his opportunity, too, is that he doesn't have to rush into 2020. I think he's a stash pick to a degree. He'll play in 2020 if um, they aren't doing well with Taylor, but they're doing well with Taylor. It's a team that could definitely make playoffs. They've definitely improved enough in certain areas. Um, good offensive weapons around him. Much more improved line. He's he's a prototypical, like, built prospect. Like, he's he's a big quarterback, 6'6", six, six, over 230, um has a strong arm so for me it's kind of all there i just don't like him it, there's a bias there like i don't love his film his numbers don't really like you know wow me but the value i could not pass up in superflex so i have an admission is that the fact that if if, if i still had the 106 in our league and lamb was gone i would have taken herbert I just thought there was just too much value with him in the draft capital and and that over Swift over the running like what about so what if Dobbins I, was there are you could take in Dobbins or Swift or Herbert? Uh, you know what? That's the other thing I will say. There's a possibility it would make me think about it real hard, but I would actually think with the QB situation, it would be really tough for me to pass on him. I I think Dobbins I would take him for my team because of the my my buildup because I actually could use a young running back. But if I were solid across the board, I take that QB no problem, you know. So I think that's what I'm trying to say is that if I were just starting out by saying like like I'm just looking for the best value, the best like possible value pick right here, I would say that Herbert's there. But with that said, like I could, he shouldn't make it past eight in my in my book at all. I just think that he landed in the best possible situation. If he can't make that situation good, he sucks. <laughs> like that's what it is. And he got he was picked at the sixth pick overall. And plenty of QBs have busted coming out of that situation. But I'm confident enough to say that that's a situation where I see some really good things coming out of it. So I like him. You know, um, I don't see him making it to 111 because that's the pick I have in our draft. If he did, he will not make it past there. I'll flat out say that. But, you know, so if you're in our league and you're listening, I kind of just tipped my hand there a little bit, but that's fine. That's for Jared. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, um, I, I've seen his QBs. He, he's not making it to me. So <laughs> uh, Yeah, so Todd, here's a quick question, and, and Sean too. Do you think if Herbert had come out after his junior season, he would have been more highly regarded? Yes. Yeah. I do. Um, it would have been interesting because with Tua and Burrow, he still would have been the th third QB off the board, you know? But, well, last year, my bad. I'm saying, like, 
like regardless if he kept that same pedigree as last year, I still think he would have been the third QB. But yeah, I think he would have gone. He would have had better uh, stock coming out of net last year. Yeah, I think last year he, you know, Kyler was obviously loved for a reason last year, but I think he would have pretty easily slid in as the QB two. Yep. You know, just compared Absolutely. to the other guys that came out last year, Haskins, Jones, like. No, no thanks. I think I'd rather have Herbert after last year. I mean, you can calm down about Daniel Jones. Do we need to rehash this? I mean, hey, we'll I'm save sorry. that for the trades later on. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, all right. So, fourth QB off the board would have been Jalen Hurts, who was drafted in the second round with the twenty with the twenty first pick to the Philadelphia Eagles, and uh, his ADP right now is twenty four point five. So that's putting him right at the end of the second round, early third. And he is actually, his ADP is slightly over Jordan Love right now. Guys, is Hurts a better prospect than Jordan Love? Dave. Yes. Uh, from a fantasy point of view, yes. Uh, actually, and a real-life point of view, I think he gets a little bit, a dinged a little bit too much for the transition from, from him to Tua at Alabama. And there are some whole like some criticism in his game that I understand, but he has some very, very good numbers, and his rushing ability and his dynamism from that point of view is exciting, especially from a fantasy point of view. For me, though, he's still my two ten, and I'm again I'm probably too low on him in a super flex league keeper. Uh, a savvy drafter might take him the mid mid second after the, that for that initial tier of wide receivers and running backs are gone. Uh, but I just don't want a QB that's sitting behind another, uh, like a pretty decent QB in Carson Wentz. I understand that Carson Wentz could be gone in a year or two. However, he seem he feels like a pretty big obstacle. So even though I like Hertz, this landing spot for me wasn't the best. Sean, are you heard about Hertz? More just confused. Um, you know, I, I like Hertz a lot. And I, to echo what Dave said, I don't think you can really ding him for the transfer. I think a lot of people that are sitting there like, oh, yeah, well, he had to change schools to be starters are the same ones that rush right to the gate to say two is unbelievable and two is generational and two is amazing. Like, you can't have it both ways. Two is the best ever and beat out Hertz, but that doesn't make Hertz bad. You know, their, their argument isn't as mutually as exclusive as they keep presenting it to be. So I think Hertz is good. His game's good. He's versatile. He's got some turnover concerns you know seems like he's a little loose with the ball when he's running he's got some bad interceptions that are in what should be easier situations um but i think he's exciting i think he's great but the landing spot is just bad for fantasy you know he could come in they could do something really cool and dynamic with him wentz will probably be hurt again at some point or they'll use him they'll use hurts to really spell him a lot so when they're playing Washington twice or they're playing the Giants twice, those are games that they should probably sweep. They can really run Hurts in there for the fourth quarter. But I just think that it's not really worth taking that shot. I think at 210, you can still do better than what's going to be a backup quarterback. And, you know, Dave said they can be out from under Wentz in two years, but that's also with like a $30 million cap hit. Yeah, yeah that's like best case scenario for Hurts almost. Unless- yeah. I mean, it sucks to say, but Wentz getting hurt again is the best case scenario for Hurts, ironically, with the name drop. But the funny thing is, too, is that's why for me, like the landing spot, that's why I put I put him as my QB five. You know, like I have him right now coming off the board at, you know, the 29th overall. So that's uh, 304. I have Eason and Love ahead of him. And 
I think he's better than both of them. You know, like, I, I think he's a better quarterback. Wentz is the starting quarterback. There is a possible buyout in 2022 for Wentz, but I'm going to bank on them moving on from their franchise QB. I don't think so. So really, you're just looking for somebody else to get hurt for him to have an opportunity. Yeah, I see him being a gadget player, uh, being Tyson Hill kind of maybe. Like, you know, we all know how much Dave loves Tyson Hill. <laughs> and- 35 times better than Tyson Hill. I, I don't know, man. Have you? I mean, Tyson Hill is a heck of a QB. I mean, Dave, heck of a QB. I think you want to check your math there. Thirty-five times zero is still what? Yeah, that's true. You know, <laughs> QB, that makes sense. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, like for me, like the landing spot just kills it. Like I, I like even at three hundred four. Like if I'm at three hundred four and he's sitting there, I still might not take him there, but I feel like I should. You know, like there's there's no path to the touch. You know. Um, so I think that makes for a good transition so that the next QB off the board by ADP would be Jordan Love. That was a ridiculously weirder situation to a degree with first round draft capital with the 26th pick overall going to the going to the Packers. You know, I actually have him ranked 17th on my board. So you're looking at him at like the 205 spot. So that to me is kind of like, I like him as a stash as a second round pick. They obviously put the capital in. Aaron Rodgers will very soon not be the QB of the Green Bay Packers. It's pretty clear. You know, I there's definitely going to be a transition there. He's definitely getting up there in age. Um, I can't remember who the writer was who posted it, but they said that Jordan Love was going to win more Super Bowls than him. I mean, Jordan oh, Jordan Love's hype is just. It doesn't take much to win more than one Super Bowl, Todd. <laughs> Uh, I would say it's quite a bit to win a Super Bowl, you know? Um, that was, if that was, Eli that was can do ter- it, anybody that, can do it. That was a terrible comment. I mean, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. Um, so, I'm just saying. I mean, it was a weird pick, crazy hype, like I said. Um, I don't care. I mean, it's a good second-round stash. Like, if you're in a situation where, in the middle of the second round, like, you're in a good situation, like, you're still a strong playoff team, and that's a, like, you might see yourself needing to transition to QB at some point in the near future... That's a great pick. And to me, it's obvious off of capital. You know? So, I don't know. What do you guys think about Jordan Love? Sean, what are your takes on Jordan Love? Hate it. Hate it. Stay away from it. You're talking about a minefield in the middle of the second there, Todd. He, you know, the, the draft capital is insane. And it's equally as insanely confusing. Because it seemed like heading into the draft, everybody was finally on the same page in Green Bay. You know, you had Rodgers off to this weird start last year, him and uh, LaFleur on the sidelines yelling at each other in the first couple of weeks. But then it clicks, and it all starts to kind of work out. Devontae Adams comes back off injury. Aaron Jones gets the tires going. And it just seemed like this might be it. You know, 2020 might finally be their year. Now, 2020 is obviously nobody's year. But here we sit, and Rodgers goes into the draft saying, yeah, like, I'm buying in. I want skills guys around me. I want them to get one of these great receivers so we can really do something magical next year. And he's finally shedding that Aaron Rodgers, I'm an asshole mantra that he's had forever. And what do they do? They turn around and kick him in the teeth with Jordan Love in the first. So instead of saying, yeah, we'll give you the weapons to go out and win, they say, "Uh uh-uh, dude, here's your replacement. So the big knock on Love, right, is that he's unpolished, he can't read defenses very well, and he needs that that tutoring and that coaching up. You're talking about a brand new head coach and a quarterback who I think we can all agree isn't going to give him the time of day. Truth. What kind of learning environment is that going to be for Love? 
in a that, COVID-19 preseason too. That's that's why you have QB coaches. That's why you have lots of coordinators. That's also why you go out and find a third QB who's old as dirt but would be a good mentor and you just pay him. It's not that hard. It's not that hard to be on a mentor. I mean, what are you what what are you trying to do? You're trying to teach them, you know, like how to read an NFL defense. Like a lot of professional QBs or a lot of QB coaches can be able to work with him on that. It doesn't need to be Aaron Rodgers, you know. So the most important part of the game, probably in the NFL, is reading the defenses. And you know, and why, and why, and why, and why does Aaron Rodgers need to be, be, be his tutor? Why does he, he have to be the, the one to teach him that? That's his love is biggest problem, and game experience is the best way to learn that kind of stuff. And the thing is that Sean started bringing up too. That's a fair point. The, we've talked a lot about value. What's Love's value? Yeah, he he has a value. His draft capital gives him value. However, he had one good season out of Utah State. He's overall not a very accurate passer. Minimal, minimal, minimal scrambling upside. And I haven't heard any problem. And Sean echoed it. Can't read a defense. Doesn't make very good progressions. I'm willing to pass on that. Take him at 211. We can talk for all we want about Love. but And I understand the draft capital argument. But I'd rather take a Brian Edwards over him. I'd rather take Aaron Dillon over him. I would take uh, Zach Moss over him. Those are all kinds of players I'd take over J- Jordan Love. Well, obviously, I know that was a hot take with Love. Um, that's the way I've always felt about QBs. I feel like we're just talking about Daniel Jones all over again. So, Except Daniel Jones has rushing upside. All right. Sure. All right. Moving on. <laughs> and a path before you fly. open, before like I'm trying not to continue with this part. <laughs> All right. So um, next QB off the board would have been Jacob Eason, uh, Indiana. He won. He won the fourth round, 16th pick of that round. Uh, his ADP right now is 32.5. So you're looking at him at towards the end of the third round. Um, Dave, give me some thoughts on Eason. So I'm. I'd rather take, so my overall, I did a little bit of dive on the history of QB since 2000. Uh, You know, 20, you know, you have a basically a 60% hit rate of a top 12 QB season for first round QBs. And then after that, it falls drastically. You have 11% of all non first round QBs within a top 12 season. And then you have, you know, but okay, that factors in four five and six round players. So let's just look at day two players. You have a 21% of day two QBs having a top 12 season. I'd rather just play the odds. Eason has no rushing upside. You know, he has decent accuracy, decent numbers. Uh, and However, that being said, just not very inspiring from an analytical point of view. Uh, yes, the, I think the real attractive thing is that he could have some opportunity in a year or two. That's it. I, I'd rather just say if he does hit in a year or two, I'll, t- I'll pay the extra premium to, to get him at that point than, than burning a third-round pick on him. Sean, takes on Eason? Yeah, the exact opposite. Um, <laughs> and, and not to disagree with anything Dave said about the stats or you know the percentages of QBs hitting because that's just math and you can't fight math. But I think you can you're fight talking... math. You can fight math. Who are you, the government? <laughs> We're talking <laughs> mid to the oh, end of the third round, right? It's all dart throws at that point. Anyway, looking at the latest ADP that we're using for this, you've got him there right around... Josh Kelly, Lynn Bowden, Anthony Gandy-Golden. You know, those are all guys where you're sitting there saying, well, maybe 2021's the year for them. Maybe 2022. Maybe somebody gets hurt. Maybe a path opens up. It's the same thing for Eason, and I think you might as well buy in with the late value. He's not exciting at all. But sometimes the non-exciting thing is what you need. You know, maybe he slides in. We are talking about super flex for most of this. Maybe he slides in and he's your quarterback too. 
And that's it. He's a guy who's going to have Jonathan Taylor Thomas running behind him. He's going to have that unbelievable offensive line. He's got a decent crop of receivers over there. I mean, Michael Pittman's going to come out and light the world on fire, right? That, Your guy. Yeah, that'll just be a love connection right there. <laughs> I mean, I think the thing that gets overseen with Eason is the guy played 13 games as a rookie. I mean, rookie. As a freshman, same thing. In the in the SEC in Georgia, dude. And he was he was solid. Like, I don't think that, like, by any means did he blow down the doors, but he was productive in the most challenging conference in football. And it's crazy to think that in the same QB room was Jacob Eason, Jake Frome, and Josh Fields. And that's just insane. So they made the wrong choice. Georgia made a bad pick with Frome. Literally the other two guys are better, you know? Which is crazy for me to say because I was a huge Frome guy going to the air and boy did my, t- my tune change. But with Easton, man, like for me, it's just all about landing spot. He's in a dome. I mean, you got Rivers on a one-year contract. Who knows what's happening with him? And what you're going to invest in him is a mid-third, you know? I'm fine with taking him in the early the third round in the Superflex draft because the return for what he hits on versus what other guys will hit on is not even remotely the same, you know? So I love him in the third round just because if he burns, I burned the third round pick, and that's fine. But if I hit, I hit big. So that's a big boom bust, and that's where you take your risk. Third round, you don't play it safe. You go out and you try to find those guys that can win you championships. And that's why I got rings, Dave. That's why I got rings. Josh Kelly could win you a championship. Uh, Antonio Gibson could win you a championship. There's running backs in that range. Darrington Evans could win you a championship, Todd. Those running backs, if they get any shot whatsoever, they could. They are that kind of return on investment is awesome. What I, I want another. I but, want another Jacoby Brissett. You know what? Know the other thing too is like I'm sorry. Oh, give me a break, Jacoby Brissett. That's forcing a narrative. I'm trying to say to you, like first of all, like those guys are like a couple of those guys. Like, Kelly right now would be maybe the RB3 on that team. You don't even know what his role is. I think that he's going to find a role in that offense. But you're going to see him going over Eckler? I mean, like, come on, man. I'm just saying, like, you're trying to force an air to say, like, these guys could be that. So could Eason as a QB in Superflex. There's no comparison there. If Eason was starting over any of those guys, he's going to be a more productive player for you. End of story. And then if he is and you have an extra QB, that's a bigger piece to be able to trade. I'm sorry. It's just like to Eason to me is a excellent third round pick. I, I don't want him burning my roster spot. I'd take the running backs. I know what I have in them in a year or two. Eason, it's an investment. It's burning up roster spot. I'll take the running backs. All right. Fair enough. I don't agree. I Yeah. But I, I just I still love the fact that it was Eason, Froman, Fields in the same QB spot at some point. So, anybody have any deep sweeper appeal for QBs? I got one. Yeah, I'd take Joe Morgan late, 4'10", 4'11", 4'12", just because Darnold, who knows what could happen. Uh, gets injured in, the, in that crazy system. I'll take Joe Morgan. Has decent draft capital. I'll take Joe Morgan. I like that one, Dave. Sean, anybody deep for you? No. Um, I like the Joe Morgan one that Dave just threw out, but I'd rather roster anybody else at any position. Um. So, for me, like... For when I say this guy, this guy would be like a taxi candidate for me. And I think he'd be a great taxi candidate. Um, I really like Cole McDonald a lot. Um, Agreed. He, he played in a very pass-heavy offense in Hawaii. His combine definitely showed that he's a great athlete. He's got great size. The measurables are there. The stats are there. And then he's he's starting behind Ryan Tannenhill. 
who's not exactly like, he, granted, I'm not taking anything away from Tannehill. He was great last year. But we all know that Tannehill doesn't exactly have the greatest track record of success in staying healthy, you know? And Mariota's well, we gone. for that, Todd. Truth. Um, the succubus. But um, on top of that, like, like, he's the backup quarterback in a good situation, you know? So I like Cole McDonald. As, as, as a late flyer. Now, what Dave's saying about taking up roster spots, unless you have a really deep roster, like over 30, might not be worth it. If you got taxi spots, perfect guy to get. And then I actually bid on him in a league, and I do that typical thing sometimes where I don't think people are going to bid. I bid $2, and I lost to some dude for 3 on him. I was like, ooh, that's rough. So um, one guy I actually really liked before that was killed, I loved Anthony Gort, um, Gordon coming out, but him ending up with the Seahawks just killed that for me. So, uh... First tight end off the board would have been Colt, Colt Kemet. Oh, he went in the second round. He was the 43rd pick in the draft. And he was, his ADP right now is 34.5. Guys, is he your top tight end? Dave. Uh, Cole Komet, I'm taking in a for just for the sake of argument here. Let's just talk about the tight ends in a tight end premium format. Uh, I'm taking Cole Komet in a tight end premium format in the late third round. Uh, not a lot of room to work with, you know, the 35 tight ends on that roster in Chicago. Uh, you know, he, he has a prototypical size, the okay draft capital, uh, decent athleticism. I just at this point with the the quality of tight ends in this draft overall. None of them are inspiring. I'd rather take a shot on a, a couple other tight, end, uh, tight ends. Tight ends take a little bit longer to develop. I don't, I'm all about, I don't want my rush spots being uh, held up for a two to three year development. So, I mean, Cole Komet doesn't hit year one. You're t- you know, it's tough for you as a, a team not to, to, to move on from him on your roster, especially if he's a third round pick for you. So, Sean, Komet. Yeah, I don't think he's overly exciting. I think the only reason why he's the first one off the board here because this tight end group coming out this year is pretty underwhelming as a whole. Um, the only the only thing I find interesting about it is the landing spot. You know, the Bears don't really have an established third pass catcher on that roster. They brought in Jimmy Graham, but they also brought in a new quarterback. It just seems like the door is wide open, and this is a team that shoveled a bunch of money at Trey Burton, who they quickly found out isn't good at the football. And they could just be looking to really have that person be in their, in their locker room as a key part of that offense. Um, but I'm not really rushing to buy in. If I can get him in the fourth, fine, I'll throw that dart. But he's not very exciting. His measurables aren't great. He's not a good blocker, so he's not going to be on the field right away. I've become a little bit more rational, but I'm going to give you guys a little hot take here. I, I feel like I haven't gotten as hot takey as I have in the past, Todd. So here's this for you. I feel like the hottest take Adam is she- calling yourself rational. I know that's yeah that is a hot take too. So I mean, Sean, well done. Uh, Adam Shaheen is a better prospect than Cole Komet. Let's just say that as it is. That's okay. Fair. So let, let, let's go. All right. Uh, I like Cole Komet, best all around tight end in the in the in the draft. Opportunities there. He's in a mess of an offense. I still have him kind of at the end of the third round. He is my number two tight end uh, off the board for me. Um, my number one tight end is Adam Trotman. Um, out of Dayton, the kid has the size, he has the athleticism, and the landing uh, spot. Okay, is athleticism. Jesus. Okay, athleticism. 
he's pretty he's pretty athletic for a guy his size. He's got know? good uh, agility. His speed at four point eight, not eh, just eh. Okay, I when I've seen him on film, I've liked what I've seen, and I love the landing spot. Uh, you you got him in you know with the Saints. He's gonna sit behind Cook for a year, see what happens there. I'd be cool with him in the middle of the third round. Again, like that's obviously if you have the room to be able to invest in tight end premium or in a multiple tight end league. I really like him. Um, I'm excited for Taysom Hill to be his quarterback next year. <laughs> uh, don't you mean Jameis Winston? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I know. I really like him. Hey, and if it was Taysom Hill was his QB, he's going to throw the tight end a lot, dude. It'll be weird when Taysom Hill is <laughs> taking more tight end snaps than him. Yeah. Well, actually, that's the point, dude. I, I really think that, like, he's a really good player. Like, he's there's not a lot of crazy weaknesses in his game. And he's in a great situation with, like, a great coaching staff and – he doesn't need to be rushed, and he could develop for a year. And then by 2021, I could definitely see him having a role in that offense, you know? So um, do you guys have any strong feelings about Trotman, or am I the only one? I'll throw a late third at him, too. That's it. I mean, I'm not inspired. Titan premium makes me do it. I'll If it's a non-time premium, I'll take in the mid of the fourth. All right. So um, do you guys uh, – let's talk about the Patriots, all right? So – the two guys that we had was Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keen. Dalton Keen. I can't I could say the word Keen. Um, I love these picks as Patriots fans because I thought that they had good value. Uh, Asiasi was like a big, big prospect coming out of high school, and Dalton Keen has been pretty solid in college. So. And obviously in the Patriots offense, they utilize the two tight ends enough that one of those guys could emerge to be a pretty reliable uh, tight end choice. And if you're in a two tight end league, that's important. And the other thing too is like, here's my other big thing about liking some of these guys. I don't like to spend capital on tight ends. I hate it, you know? So I'd much rather just punt the position and try to fill it in other ways, you know? Um, granted, my team's not fashioned that way anymore. But that's typically how I start things off with. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I like these two guys as, like, some good stash appeal. And also, they have some definite path to playing in 2020 if they could just figure out the offense, which is easier said than done. Do you guys have any strong feelings about either Pats prospect? No. Um, as a Pats fan, this was interesting to see. I wasn't crazy about going back-to-back -back with them. But I think for fantasy purposes, they don't have a ton of relevance because I think they're going to end up just vulturing each other. You know, both of these guys got praised a lot for being versatile, being able to be moved around the field a lot. And I just don't see that really translating into much fantasy-wise. There's not a ton in front of them, which is good. But I don't know. I think anybody who tells you they have high hopes for the Patriots offense producing a lot of fantasy viability is a liar. <laughs> Well, I mean, the other thing you can say, dude, too, is like with a transitioning offense, tight ends tend to get targeted more because they're shorter routes. So um, that's like the one thing is that also rookie quarterbacks tend to have a tendency with tight ends at times. Yeah, you know? Stidham also has a tendency to throw to the cornerback half the time. So, All right, fair enough. So maybe he won't want to throw to the cornerbacks and throw to the guy that's getting covered by a linebacker. He might just be too scared to do that at some point. Who knows? Oh, God, this is getting depressing. Dave, quickly. Uh, I think, you know, I think this is interesting from an NFL standpoint, at least initially, they, the decent athleticism, 
for both of them. Their production, I think Keen has a little bit more actual raw numbers and market share production than Asiasi. However, with that decent athleticism and the upside for opportunity in that Patriots offense, I'm throwing an early fourth at them in tight end premium, late fourth at them in just regular, uh, you know, in standard. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, and then you got uh, Albert Okwabunam. I got it, Todd. Albert Okwabunam. Albert Okwabunam. Nice. I think I had that. Did I not? Well, I also have it spelled out phonetically on the uh, yeah the the thing. So, but I practiced this after or before the show, so I'm pretty proud after being uh, criticized for it last week or the week before. Fair enough. Fair enough. And my thoughts on it, I hate his landing spot. I actually loved him in Devi leagues. I had a guy that I was trying to get off him because I thought he was going to be a good buy will guy. Wouldn't trade to me. He kept telling me he knows what he has when it comes up. I sent the guy a message like after the draft. I'm like, I bet you wish you traded to me. He goes, Oh yeah, the big time. Uh, so, like, so, I mean, I actually think he's a good player. Just like behind Fant, it's just a done deal. Uh, do you guys have any strong thoughts on him? No, nope. I think pretty much any of the tight ends after this point are just worth a watch list stash. Yeah, you know, I don't think they're going to be really looking off Fant after spending the capital they did last year on him. I think they got big plans for him. Yeah, and you know, he got hurt last year. Maybe if he gets hurt again this year, he's going to be worth some waiver money, but he's not worth a draft pick. Dave, anything else about tight ends? Uh, I love uh, Albert O's or Albert Aquayabunam. Uh, I like his high adjusted speed score, which is very relevant when you're projecting tight ends, but that's about it. You're just showing off with that last name now. Um, all right, I'll wrap up tight ends real quick. Um, I think both Bryants are solid stashes. I think Hopkins is a solid player. They just end up in bad spots. Um, so for me, like my deep sleeper guy for out of this group is uh, Kobe Parkinson out of Stanford. Uh, big tight end, about a, you know he's a power forward playing tight end. He's six eight, very fluid guy. Um, I've watched a decent amount of him and followed him. He was on my Devi team. I think he ended up in a phenomenal situation in Seattle because there's not a lot of competition ahead of him outside of 2020. Also, I don't care uh, about Todd, Greg Olson. Todd, I remember you being worried about Stephen Sullivan at one point. I was. I actually write with Stephen <laughs> Sullivan, and then I forgot Kobe Parkinson ended up on that team, and I quickly changed my tune. Um, I like Stephen Sullivan. He had good measurables. I actually think they did a pretty good job with some some like later tight ends for development, and it's like it doesn't really cost them anything if they don't work out, you know. But um, Parkinson's a good player. Like he's a good athlete, great high point guy, um, six eight. You know, if he could find a role in that offense, I could definitely see him having some sweeper appeal. Again, definitely a taxi guy, not a guy to have on an actual roster, but definitely somebody worth of a taxi spot if you have one. All right, so that wraps up an exciting QB and tight end episode. Not the most exciting thing to talk about, but you know what? It is relevant. It's good to think about those late-round guys and the super flexes, like talking about those QBs that are throwers. Yeah, it's definitely to get out there. I hope uh, you guys found some helpful hits. Uh, some, helpful, some helpful hits. So, um, you know what? Kennedy, tell them where they can find you. They can find me on Twitter at FF underscore walrus. They can definitely not call me. They can text me. <laughs> yeah, uh, Sean does not like to talk, apparently, yet. No, there's three podcast. people I talk to on the phone. That's it. I'm very ashamed I'm not in that category. All right, uh, Dave, quickly tell them where you can find us to me and Sean can fight. You can find me at FF underscore Spaceman on Twitter. You can check out my pin tweet from my college prospect database. Uh, check out all of our episodes, Head to the Two Rivals. And 
yeah, and check out me out at dynastyfootballfactory.com for any of my writing for Sean's writings. Yeah, guys. And, oh, and we'll talk about trades next episode. I know we talked about it in the opening, but we'll hit this up next episode. Yep, you can find me at FF underscore Banterman on Twitter. I'm going to have some articles coming out in the near future, and I'll hit you guys up about where to find that. But you can find some great contact at the Dynasty Football Digest. And also, if you're in IDP Leagues, I highly recommend my partners over at the IDP guys who can definitely help you win a championship if you follow with those with those jumps. Alright guys, good show. We'll see you next time for trades. Kennedy, you're an absolute child, dude. You can't you can't talk on the phone. Why would I want to? It's so boring. Because you're a social human being in quarantine. Yes. So talking to into people. a little box attached to my ear does not entice me at all. And Dave, if it makes you feel better, I was in the car or else I would have picked up your call. <laughs> Sean, Sean, honestly, the really problem I have with your comment is who leaves voicemail? Just send a text like, hey, give me a call. Or don't even wait. Just wait for them to return the call. I don't want to waste my time listening to voicemail. That's fine. That's fine. I don't leave voicemails either. I, I agree with that. I fully support that statement. I've lost respect for both of you. <laughs>